1: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, I don't know how to describe what the Bucks just did. The Bucks lose 92 to 89 to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, they play. Um, I'm going to say a very second game of a back-to-back first half, in that you know it's kind of sloppy. Things aren't going totally okay, um, but. In the end, they end up having a, a 2 point lead at the half. They're up 46-44 and you think, okay, the, that that should be fine. Like it, this is this is one of those games where it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be an ugly game. Both of these teams are on the second night of a back-to-back. Like, okay. Whatever. If it's ugly, that's fine. Just get through it and get a victory and then the Bucks come out in the second half and just lay a total egg um, don't look like they've ever played basketball before don't look like they have any desire to play basketball um, and just let the the Pacers really go run it out on them they take a 65 to 50 lead so the Bucks scored just four um, while the Pacers go out and score 21 um, and I mean the Pacers. Took control there. Uh, the Bucks were able to bring it back and hit some shots and get back in the game, but ultimately this is another one of those games where you saw the Bucks take, take a huge deficit and have to claw back into the game and find their way back in and eventually do it, but also in the end eventually lose. And I just think there's... There's so much frustration watching one of these games because, well, they, if you don't have such a bad stretch, your good stretches mean you get to win the game rather than you get to be in the game. And it was just another one of those nights. And, uh, then those nights have been, have been plenty, uh, since the all-star break.
0: Yeah. It was another get over the hump night or or failure to get over the hump night. Um, and uh, again, they needed every minute of this game to get back to the point where they actually had a chance to to not only tie but go in the lead. Giannis draws a foul, almost gets a three-point play instead. Hits the first front end of a of a of a of two shots. Um, I don't know. I forget how much time was left. It was under a minute, but there's still probably at least two possessions left in the game, and misses the second that could have tied it. Um, they get the ball back. Giannis gets the ball on the left block, takes a, a pretty tough shot. Just rims out, almost went down. Um, and you know, again, they they have to foul. I think I think I'm I think I'm getting the narrative right on this. Um and just when you think, you know, again, or sorry, they don't have to foul that that was I think Correct. it was twenty what was it, like thirty seconds left? Yeah, so. I can I write it down it quick. quick.
1: So one oh five left is when he hits the first free throw, misses the second. Pacers get the ball. Uh the Bucks force a turnover on a double dribble by Victor Oladipo, which I can't I can't think of the last time I saw a double dribble. Um, yeah, it's it certainly. Good call, though. Really good call, actually. Yeah, certainly in that spot. Um, so, Bucks force a double dribble, then it's Bloodsoe, Giannis, pick and roll. Bledsoe dribbles for a while, gives it to Giannis with about six left on the clock. Giannis tries a fader, misses that one. Uh, the Bucks decide to play defense, down 90-89 um, with about 25 seconds left. So they decide to play defense. Oladipo makes a bad pass. that uh, Jan- I think Giannis tips away. Middleton controls. Middleton dribbles up the floor, uh, is tries to split a double team. All of the officials are totally out of position. No one really has any idea what happens. Uh, ball gets stripped, goes out of bounds. On the replay, they still can't decide what happens. Um, so they decide to do a jump ball. Middleton uh, goes up for the jump ball. Looks like, I mean, it kind of looks like, I don't even know who's in the circle with them. Corey Joseph maybe? Um, that Corey Joseph kind of like grabbed him, but still Middleton put it into the spot where he needed to between Bledsoe and Giannis and... I guess as he did the whole night, Bogdanovich uh, just sneaks in there and he's able to beat Bledsoe to the spot. Kind of that thing, kind of elbows him out of the way, gets it, um, and then he's able to hit both free throws. Uh, Bucks come down, run a play for Jabari Parker to come off of it, and Jabari Parker was kind of cooking tonight. Um, comes off it, decides to pass to Giannis at the end. Thaddeus Young falls. Giannis gets an open three, misses it. Bucks lose 92, 89. Go ahead, fill in where you wanted to go in the narrative. There, just want to make sure we got that. All right. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it definitely felt like a, a second night of a back to back type game. I mean, um, you know, Middleton steps up and, and gets that big steal. Um, by the way, he wasn't credited with any steals in this game. Was was there a, a deflection on that last pass? Maybe, but I don't know. He um, he obviously has a chance to to redeem himself, um, you know, uh, late in the game. And and unfortunately, you know, we heard Chris had a sore knee. Coming into the game it was going to be a game time decision. And you know, I don't know why he played thirty five minutes because he just didn't look like he should have been out there. Six points on seven shots, one out of seven shooting, um, a game worst minus twenty three, and that. That seemed about right, yeah. unfortunately. Um, so he was just, gave gave the bucks you know nothing, really. Um, only took one three, um, just just bad. Um, and the flip side was, you know, Bogdanovich was like the one guy who played great tonight for, for either <laughs> team. Did he not um, play
1: last night or something? Because he looked, I don't, he I looked don't fantastic.
0: Know. He, yeah, I mean, he hits nine out of 13, 29 points on 13 shots. Uh, he was five out of seven from three, hit half of the Pacers' three-point attempts. They only took 17 threes. I think they only took 16 threes last Friday. So, I mean, the Bucs did not surrender many three-point attempts at all to, in these both in either of these games, um, which is, you know, the j- kind of job one of a defense in the modern NBA in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, unfortunately, one too many went in. And, uh, you know, again, he was terrific uh, tonight. Um, and, and it just sucks because, I mean, Victor Oladipo, Five out of 19 from the field, 14 points, 10 turnovers. Um, you couldn't have asked for a better defensive effort against Oladipo. Um, you know, with the exception of a couple times where he got switched on to like Henson or, or a big man, he was able to get to the rim for finishes like in the third quarter. Uh, he had nothing and, and he just settled for just a, a ton of mid-range contested jumpers. I mean, you know, you got to give credit to, to guys like, I mean, Jason Terry, you know, Tony Snell, uh, Bledsoe at times, you know, they did a really nice job overall on on making life difficult for Depot. and um, this was, you know, absolutely a, a missed opportunity because you you had. Their superstar or star, whatever you want to call them, all star uh, certainly. Um, you held him to one of his worst games of the year, and and you couldn't couldn't you know couldn't take advantage of it. And as you said, a big part of it was um, you know letting them get out on that run. The offense just looking so anemic. Uh, the starters again just really struggling. Um, Chris kind of an obvious issue there. I thought once again the Pacers did a great job defending Giannis. Um, you know he got a little bit more going to the rim at times tonight. He was seven out of eight uh, at the rim tonight but 0 for 8 outside of the immediate basket area, 0 for 7 on jump shots. Um, the exact same thing basically happened on Friday. He just literally couldn't make a jump shot. And, yep. you know, his Achilles heel was just, unfortunately, I mean, usually he hits some jumpers, Um tonight he didn't hit literally hit any including uh that jumper that could have given them a lead he missed a free throw that could have tied the game in the final minute and then he misses the three which you know again as you said it, it was you know kind of a hot potato type pass to him um he had a decent look at it but had to kind of sidestep it was a tough look um well short you know i mean was not close to hitting it um and i'd say that miss was a lot different than the other misses that he's had this week that could have you know tied or put them ahead i mean last uh, you know he has that great game in toronto hitting all those clutch jumpers and then you know last eight days he's had four shots to tie or give the bucks the lead in the final minute of a game and he's missed all of them um that's not even including that three that he airballed uh when they were down four on friday against the pacers with 30 seconds left so as much as Giannis has been clutch for for so much of this season from a scoring and even shooting standpoint i mean you know it's been mean regression city over the last week and um again i mean I don't really find a lot of fault with his shots really ever. I you know, to be honest, I wouldn't look at any of these shots that he's taken, uh, even that three tonight and and complain about it. As you said, you know, that it's not like they drew up the contested Giannis three point look play. Um, but it just, that's just how it worked out. And, And obviously he wasn't able to convert, but, um, again, a tough night for him, but he also, I mean, had a monster night defensively. Um, I tweeted out, you know, he, he went from November 30th to February 13th without a game in which he had three or more blocks. He's had four of those in the last eight games tonight, five blocks, um, just, you know, coming up with big plays defensively. And, you know, again, you need that. He also had two steals. You need that kind of effort. He had 10 rebounds. He really struggled, um, on the glass uh, Friday uh, against the Pacers, got really outworked tonight. He had a bunch of contested rebounds, so he you know came up big in that department. But again, just the jump shot, he was you know again a couple jump shots away from winning this game for the Bucks. And you know unfortunately, if he doesn't hit any jumpers, you know we don't expect him to be a great jump shooter at, at this stage. But you know if he can just hit any or even hit that last free throw, he was four out of five. Um, then maybe the result is different. So it's tough. You know Giannis was probably the Bucks' best player again. Right. Especially when you factor in his defense, but, um, just, just not quite enough, uh, you know, not quite enough of great Giannis, like the one we saw against Philly. And I think a lot of that you have to give the basers credit because once again, they, they just show him so many bodies and they make life hard on him. And, um, yeah, it was just tough. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know any, any other thoughts on, on, um, I guess the, the highest of high, you know, sort of Giannis and Chris, uh, kind of were complicated stories tonight um maybe we could talk about Bledsoe and Jabari a bit more but I don't know any other thoughts on those guys
1: half court Giannis is terrifying right now absolutely terrifying like it's it's not something you want to watch because uh, you mentioned the fact that he gets what was it eight of his shots at the rim tonight and I think against the Sixers of those 23 he had 14 were at the rim and you like that's where you want that number to be we i talked about shot profile and i wrote something about it at ESPN milwaukee where his his shots at the rim were taking up like 40 percent of his shot attempts in february or 42 percent um and you want to see it be a little bit healthier you want to see it closer to 50 like the when Giannis was really getting things going it was between 52 and 57 percent so that was that's always what you want to see but team's aren't gonna like just simply will not allow it anymore they they refuse they are gonna be uh they're gonna put two hands on him at all times um and defend and again you can debate whether or not that should be called a foul i know lebron was uh complained about how drivers don't really get the protection that they deserve last week i think watching Giannis, you could say the same thing that uh defenders tend to get away with quite a bit against both Giannis and LeBron uh, just because they are always attacking the basket. But teams have just essentially said, no, you will not do this. You will not get to the rim. And if you get past us, we are going to follow you hard. And you're going to earn them at the line and you're not going to be able to get into a rhythm. Um, And like seven for eight at the rim is awesome tonight. Um, And that is enough to get by. And really, like you said, just two jumpers, three jumpers, like that—that's all you need. Like it does. Giannis isn't a particularly good mid-range shooter at this moment, but even just just getting a couple of those to fall is really what would have done it uh, tonight. And it's a totally different game if he's able to have that. Um, And they didn't go, and obviously it didn't go their way. So I don't know. It's just kind of—it's a really tough spot right now because. and and after the game last night we talked with Giannis about it a little bit about how if you're getting double teamed, if you're always seeing bodies, you have to pass it and make the right play. But then also at the same time, if you're always doing that, you're not really getting into a rhythm or any sort of flow in the game and you're not feeling it. And it, it just becomes a really difficult balance to, to try to to try to feel out. And our friend Jared Dubin, who does some work with uh the Knicks and Locked on Knicks, I believe, and a whole bunch of other things that maybe Oh, I'm trying to think all the different places he's written. But he said something about how, uh, I'll have to look it up the exact tweet, but he said something about, it blows my mind watching this Bucks team. And he was watching the Bucs tonight, um, which isn't something he normally does. He's like, it blows my, my blows my mind watching this Bucs team, knowing that they're a top 10 offense, because it feels like there's never a moment where the floor is po- properly spaced. There's never a moment where it makes sense where those guys are. But then I remember that Giannis is superhuman and can somehow manage to score even in these impossibly tight situations. And I just thought it was kind of a a perfect summation of things. Like At the end of the night, we're more than likely going to say Giannis had a good night because when you look at his output, it's... It's going to be that way. Like he, he is going to have a, a good night, and if he isn't able to get to the basket, maybe he'll make up for it defensively tonight. Like you said, with the two steals and five blocks, so maybe he'll be able to rack up a bunch of assists. Like he'll find a different way. Um, but at that same moment, if the jump shot isn't falling, like the offense isn't going to flow uh, totally right, and and things just aren't going to work the way that they should. Um, and I mean, I, I think that's going to be the struggle for this Bucks team for the next, I don't know. I, I don't even want to put a timeline on it because I, I, it should just be until Giannis starts hitting jumpers consistently. Maybe that's a year, maybe that's two years, maybe that's three years, maybe that's five years. I don't—I have no idea. Um, but until that moment, like, the Bucks are always going to be having, they're always going to need to kind of juice up the shooting in other areas. Like, they're going to have to find a way to get that space in somewhere else because the guy that they're going to have on the ball a lot of the time isn't going to be a great shooter so this is this is kind of the entire league i was joking on twitter today that i they haven't created the Giannis rules quite like they've created the jordan rules for mj back in the day but i think you're certainly starting to see the league figure out exactly uh the best ways to attack them and to attack Giannis defensively when he's the lead guy on offense. So I think the league has kind of started to figure some of that out and they've started to understand that they can get away with a certain amount of physicality and they're going to be physical with them the whole night. And it's just going to be a grind for him. And, uh, we'll, we'll have to see how he continues to adjust and Middleton. Yeah. Part of me wondered after the game, like, should he have even played? And then I remembered that their entire team is hurt. So yeah, I guess, um, but at the same time, it, we were we were talking about before uh, we started recording, like whether or not this was indicative of a game of someone who probably shouldn't have been on the floor. And I argued that it was because I can't remember the last time Chris Middleton didn't really want to shoot that much. Like seven seven field goal attempts, only one from three. And you had said, well don't you think he would have seen a bunch of threes go up? Like if he can't really move rather, and I, I thought it was an interesting debate, but it, the debate we were having was what should Chris Middleton look like if he's <laughs> totally injured and shouldn't be playing like that was at the core uh, of the conversation. And uh, yeah, I just thought he, he looked obviously terrible tonight, a minus uh, 23 in plus minus. And with all of that being said, strangely enough, he was at the center of the last three great defensive possessions that they had. Um, he has Thaddeus Young on uh, the left wing and was able to stay down on a couple upfakes. He was able to stay down on some crossovers, stay grounded, contest a shot, get a miss there. Um, he was the one covering Victor Oladipo. And I think you could probably say he probably got away with a bit of a grab as he put his hands on Oladipo, but... That turned into Oladipo doing a double dribble, uh, and then in that last moment, I believe it, uh, somehow that went to Giannis as, as the steal. Um, so I guess he it must have been Giannis that got his hands on it originally, but Middleton corrals it and goes in the other direction. And for as bad as his night was, he's oh, and and he had an assist to Giannis as well. Um, yeah, the basket, oh, like kind of
0: a kind of like a broken play that he then like alley to Giannis yeah. there. Which,
1: at that point, why you would actually go to Chris Middleton and not just stay on Giannis is beyond me, because he had had no impact on the game to that point. Um, I think you'd probably want to bait him into shooting it, but I, instincts take over, and he was able to find Giannis there. So, yeah, terrible game for him, but somehow relevant in the final two minutes, which is just totally illogical. But um, I, I guess looking at, at those two, you see two very opposite nights, but overall two guys that weren't their best offensive selves and when they're not that well then you move it over to the other two guys right you you move it over to eric blood so uh to try to create something off the dribble to try to make something happen and you you move it over to jabari parker who's coming off the bench and uh putting up 15 points on 7 of 10 shooting in 24 minutes like you do if those two aren't going well you got to see if some of the other engines can run and i mean for large part portions of the night those other two engines were running yeah and i mean i viewed uh,
0: bledsoe and jabari i mean jabari was you know nominally efficient right 15 points on 10 shots Uh, bledsoe Kind of felt like a Bledsoe night, you know, twenty six points. Okay, that's good, you know, in a night when the Bucks struggled to score, but twenty two shots, um, and you know, it, it felt like Bledsoe had to, like, they were kind of like innings eaters in in the sense. I, I feel like I keep yeah. using that analogy of late, it but makes sense. You know, it just felt like the Bucks' offense was just sort of like grinding its gears at various points, and you know, Bledsoe was like all right, I'll chuck it, you know, I'll I'll put it up. And when he was driving, you know, there were some some very good things came out of that. Um, you know, there were also a number of occasions where he was taking, you know, contested off the dribble shots, which is where he has really struggled this year. You know, I think um, our friend Dean tweeted out something, you know, his his pull up three point this here has been terrible. I mean, he's been better than Chris as a spot-up guy. I think, like, high 30s um, Bledsoe is. But, you know, when it comes to pulling up off the dribble, which kind of makes sense because, I mean, he's kind of got that, like, sort of no-jump jump shot, which kind of surprises me that it doesn't, like, ever get blocked, maybe because guys, you know, teams don't really play him for the jump shot. Yeah. But um, but that's an area where he struggles. And, you know, I-, I feel like any jump shot where Eric Bledsoe is not balanced is, like, an automatic <laughs> miss. Like, yes. I'm I'm not sure... Um, like Chris you know is pretty good I mean you know uh, he, we complain we complain about you know obviously his shot selection but on two pointers like he can be off balance I mean he's remarkably good at those shots that's yep. why he's had an efficient scoring year in spite of the fact that obviously his three-point shot has been as bad as Eric Bledsoe's yep. um, you know those guys have basically both been exactly the same right around I think about 56 and per 57 percent true shooting which is better than average um so for you know relatively high usage guys I mean that's good um but often obviously like a lot of times it doesn't feel good just because of you know just some of the shot selection and, and some of that stuff tonight obviously Chris just really didn't shoot much at all and couldn't hit shots when he was shooting and blood so you know was often the guy who was like all right, well. He's he's putting up a shot because you know Giannis can't get open. They're packing the lane. Giannis isn't shooting much, so it ended up being so taking a bunch of shots. Um, I thought Jabari especially in that third quarter, um, he had a couple of shots right away. I think after they'd got, what were, were they down? 15 or something like that yep. early in the third quarter. Like, what, Sixty five fifty. yeah, 65, 50. And he hit, I think a three and a two, uh, I think a, a jumper and a three, like very quickly. I mean, no hesitation, um, and got them within 10 and then they kind of kept going from there. And, um, you know, again, we didn't really see Jabari very involved late in the game, but one thing I do want to talk about, um, is late in the game, not only was Jabari Parker on the floor, but probably most notably is who was not on the floor, and that was there was no center on the floor. Um, And we talk a lot about, you know, we we talked last week about, uh, you know, Joe Prunty and and should Joe Prunty be experimenting more with center Giannis lineups and, you know, that being something that is really probably going to be essential to the long-term success of this franchise, you know, can Giannis be leveraged as a center in, you know, especially against opposing team small lineups. And interestingly tonight, they go to that small lineup. I think it was, and and I'm, I'm cheating off of Matt Velasquez's notes in his Journal Sentinel online story. But I think Matt said they went to it at the three and a half minute mark with, I think it was Giannis, Jabari, Middleton, Terry, and Bledsoe, I want to yep. say. Um, and they ended up, you know obviously the last minute they couldn't get the shot to go down. They could not ultimately make up the deficit, but um, they surprisingly, I mean, you would think the defense would be the problem with that lineup. Um, But, you know, small sample size or not, they forced three turnovers, um, held the Pacers without a bucket for, I think I want to say all of that period. Um, And, you know, uh, again, it's just, it's just a small thing, but it, it might not be a small thing in the sense that if you want Joe Prenti to start experimenting with this, um, you probably need some random, you know, periods like this where maybe they get a little bit lucky or whatever. But, um, you know, again, uh, I I don't know how progressive Joe Prunty is going to be about using these lineups. Uh, but I think especially with Zeller out, I mean, that was a thing. I mean, it, it feels like Henson just has not been. I mean, Henson had some really nice games up until that Brooklyn game where he, you know, hurt his hamstring, yep. and it just seems like since then I was looking at his game logs. I mean, he's had you know a number of games where he, you know makes a decent share of his shots or you know he had one doubles your rebound game but it just feels like he has not been the same guy since coming back from that injury and maybe that's just john henson's true self being exposed again yeah. um but it seems like they've struggled with henson on the court Thon, obviously is Thon still can't catch a ball i thought it was amusing that matt tweeted something to that exact effect it's like oh well that's very blunt of you, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Thon catching basketballs is a fundamental problem. Um, shout out to Matt. Um and obviously with Zeller being out tonight due to the fall yesterday, I mean, it really sucks when you're sitting there watching a game and you're thinking, geez, it's too bad Tyler Zeller's hurt because he feels like he's our best center right now. I
1: was gonna say, so, like going small late, like I don't I don't even think it was an option. Like you had to go small because Henson and Maker were just Nothing that they, they, but they never do it though. Right. I mean, yeah. It,
0: it, yeah. But at times, I mean, like
1: John Henton has been useful this year and at yeah, other yeah, times, no, 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 Tyler Zeller has been useful, but like tonight it was just like, okay, you're literally going to get nothing out of either of those two. So you might as well, like Jabari has been at, at least working for you a little bit. And I, I mean, I, this is, I guess this gets into a larger conversation, but we, we talked a little bit, or you just mentioned the fact that, you know, we talked about Joe Prunty experimenting and trying new things and, and what it means and and all of those things. And I guess kind of the spot I always find myself in is thinking, oh, this is kind of cool. It'll be even cooler when a hypothetical coach in my head is here and draws something else up. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was cool that they went there, but... In the end, it was like the possessions were a Bledsoe, uh, a Bledsoe Giannis pick and roll into a fadeaway jumper, uh, kind of broken play, um, and like it, it was just kind of ugly. So I guess it it's just kind of interesting. to always think like I do want to see new experimental things with Joe Prunty, but at the same time, I, I kind of wonder like, well, you know, maybe that'll look better next year, and I guess something i wanted to talk about tonight was do you do you think and again it's impossible to actually think about motivations or what anyone's doing but you just see the starting unit um kind of stagnate and struggle defensively and offensively they're, they're still generally fine but um you see it be the starters now like so often this year we've complain about the bench and not getting enough production there and now in the last week or so it's been poor starts to games poor starts to second halves and since I just used the word starts that means the starters are in the game and it's just not working um and again I don't know if there's a message out there because again the schemes haven't changed but I almost wonder like is there some lack of motivation just because like oh god i hate that i just said lack of motivation i'm trying to think of a way to actually phrase this just like nothing's going to change for good until we get a new coach so at times am i going to be more frustrated now that there's a new coach here but we're running the exact same schemes i don't know if that makes any sense
0: yeah i mean it it, it's difficult i mean we're you know i i the The one thing that I think we can't, you know, with a lot of the trying to understand what's going on with the box, I mean, there's all these sort of caveats that I think we're, you know, get overlaid to this. And and obviously there's the, well, how is Giannis's knee, right? And what's, what's going on with that? Yep. Um, there's the, you know, well, Brogdon and Della Vadova have been hurt. And, yep. you know, you have one point guard and that's obviously an issue. Um, but I think, as we said yesterday, you know, I think the question about the starters, like, I mean, Brogdon and Delly don't start. So... You know, there, there's, you know, again, and and I know Bloodsos minutes have been up, uh, Giannis uh, and Giannis's minutes in particular. I mean, they're they're obviously not down, right? Um, you know, I guess you would say, well, you know, indirectly because you're you're short-handed a little bit, so you know, well, yeah. whatever. But I think in general, yeah, I agree. The the starters, you know, being substandard, right? I mean, they were so good before the All Star break. So since the All Star break, in 67 minutes, um, that group has been. Uh, the The starting five since the All-Star break, 87.5 points per 100 scored, 117.4 uh, points oh. per 100 allowed. So they're a minus 30. Oh, my um, gosh. But, I mean, interestingly, if you swap out Snell for, if you swap in Terry for Snell, that group has been plus 21.4 in 36 minutes. Um, the next three most common lineups um, have been plus 15. Interestingly, one of those lineups is a lineup that I think we've thought of as being, they were really bad before the all-star break, which was uh, Giannis, Jett, Sterling, Thon, and Jabari. Um, that group has been plus 15. So, you know, again, but all these numbers are, are really small samples. Like, I'm yeah. just going to check and see what the actual raw plus minus is, because I think a lot of times, like, like especially, like, you know, I know, I know we always tweet out, like, you know, like, what's the offensive-defensive rating after, like, a quarter and things like that. Um, but it's like, you know, I mean, if you outscored the other team by five, it's going to be, like, you know, plus 20 points per 100 or something like that right like it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah multiply out into something that is a big difference when you know in reality it, it could be the difference between like a couple of plays yeah. not going your way or you know you had the last possession you had a three or you know something like that but um that said I mean to to put it in, in raw terms the starters since the all-star break minus 46 in 67 minutes that's bad. <laughs> that, that's, that's not a small number getting extrapolated. That Terry lineup, the Terry instead of Snell has been plus 16 in 36 minutes. So that's that's better. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check real quick and just give you guys a sense. Obviously, we know it was much better before the All-Star break, but I'll just look up that real quick just in case you guys are curious. But So minus 46 in 67 minutes, um, that's, that's bad. Uh, 379 minutes before the All-Star break, they were plus 110. So that, that says something, right? I mean, yes. plus, one, plus 110 in 379 minutes, that's, that's very good, right? We, we talked a lot during the first half of the season about how that lineup was one of the best in the league um, in terms of net differential. They were plus 15 points per 100 before the All-Star break. 99.6 defensive rating, 115 offensive rating. That's great. No yep. complaints at all, um, but it's gone in complete th- different direction since then. And again, we can say it's because you know teams are playing Giannis differently, um, and they're you know slowing Giannis down. Um, you know, we talked about Bledsoe's numbers have been actually better, notably better since uh, you know basically since the All Star break or so, or last month really. Yep. Um. So it's not really like a Bledsoe story. Obviously, Snell has been pretty meh he's had a few more moments i think tonight he played well right what did he have tonight i think he had like three threes yeah nine points three out of five from the field three out of four from three um so at least he was hitting some shots um and again i think henson has struggled um middleton has had actually some good games um you know I, i think tonight was more the um the uh, the exception to the rule. You know, it's not like, you know, as much as we've talked a lot about Chris struggling against good teams, um, he's, he's had better games. You know, I don't think there's been really a noticeable trend of him struggling against good teams since the all-star break, which is important because they've played a bunch of good teams or at least better teams. Um, Tonight, you know, again, probably with the injury that was obviously, you know, this was definitely a, a clunker from Chris. But um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's offense and it's defense. So it's not like you can say Correct. it's pure. Everything's going great offensively and they just need to figure out defensively. Um, so it's uh, it's certainly one something that we're going to have to watch closely because, you know, again, if your starting five is getting killed. You're going to lose most basketball games, right? <laughs> Especially given that the Bucks are a team that has struggled offensively, uh, or sorry, struggled uh, off the bench for a long period. Um, but you know, and if you guys are wondering, like, well, wh- what's the problem? You know, the starters are shooting 27.6% from three hey! since the All Star break. Well, that's that's going to hurt your that's certainly going to hurt your your uh, your offense a lot because yeah. no offense is going to be good uh hitting twenty eight percent from three and they're not taking a lot of threes to begin with. So, you know, kind of speaks to the idea of the, the floor not being stretched. And um looking at defensively, you know, opponent three point percentage, thirty nine percent, not crazy bad. Um so I don't know if it's it's just a simple saying that's the issue there. But um obviously there's there's you know, they're in a funk and um the sooner they can get out of that funk, uh the better.
1: They do need to get out of the this funk, and, and I think one of the reasons why is something that we can talk about tomorrow. Um, we obviously uh, broke down the blood trade when it happened, and we talked about how there were strange protections on it, and it might lead to a pick being conveyed this year or that year, and, well, currently the Milwaukee Bucks would not have a first-round pick. That, I think, might be concerning, but... I've had enough of talking about bad bucks things thus far today. Uh, We have another podcast to do tomorrow to get you ready for Wednesday's game against the Rockets, and uh, the Rockets are really good, so maybe we won't want to spend a lot of time tomorrow talking about how good the Rockets are and what they might do to this Bucks team that's currently in a funk. Um, so maybe we can talk about bigger picture stuff tomorrow. Um, and maybe that pick and kind of what's going on with that and, and what we may or may not do there. Um, anything else with this game? I was going to say Jet uh, was pretty solid in 21 minutes. Nine points for him. Uh, one of two from three uh, we talked about the centers. I think that's about it for this game. Shabazz Muhammad made his first appearance. Uh, he was a plus eight in seven minutes. Um,
0: Had nothing to do with that. Literally
1: had nothing. I was. I was trying to think of. I was hoping that he was going to have a trillion, where you know you're in for a certain number of minutes, and then there's nine zeros behind it, so he could have a seven trillion. But he ruined that seven trillion in the box score by getting a rebound in a personal foul. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit tomorrow. But I think that's about it from this game, unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know why it's. I think it came up multiple times on the Fox Sports broadcast that, um, like that no matter what happened tonight, the Bucks wouldn't move up or down standing, but that's not true. The Bucks are now have fallen to eighth uh, in the East. They've fallen behind the Miami heat based on the tiebreaker break, with them. So um, they will enter tomorrow uh, five games up on Detroit uh, for the eighth spot in the East. Um, again, they're tied with the heat who, as we know, they don't have the tiebreaker with. Um, and just as a reminder, um, you know, they're even with the Pistons in terms of head-to-head. Uh, they have a worse divisional record um, than the Pistons, so they don't have the tiebreaker with the Pistons right now. They don't have the tiebreaker with the Heat, who are seventh. Uh, they currently do not have the tiebreaker with the Sixers, who are sixth. Um, if they beat Philly in Philly, they will get the head-to-head. But right now, um, I guess technically you could say they do have the head-to-head tiebreaker with Philly because they're up 2-1. But if yep. they lose um, in Philly, then it'll go back to conference record and the Sixers have a better conference record. Um, the Wizards, similarly, have a better conference record than the Bucks, so the 2-2 split doesn't matter there. So they don't have the tiebreaker with the Wizards. And the Pacers are now the fourth seed in the East, and they obviously locked up the head-to-head tiebreaker on the Bucks as well. So, um, again, I mean, this is the problem. You lay all these eggs against teams in your conference that are right there with you. Uh, you're going to go tumbling down the standings. I mean, the Bucs could, you know, if, if a couple of these games go the other way, right? I mean, if you win, you know, your, uh, if you take care of business against the Pelicans and take care of business against the Wizards and, um, you know, split these games with the Pacers, you're at 37 and 27 yourself and you're the fourth seed
1: uh-huh. but you're not
0: <laughs> instead you're the eighth and um i think looking at you know just standing i'd have to look at the relative strength of the schedule uh, of all the teams but i think this past you know let's say eight days when you factor in the pelicans game as well um i think the bucks have kind of very possibly basically played themselves out of um one of those you know top five six even seeds um and you know very likely they've locked themselves into a matchup with certainly one of the top three seeds which is you know what we've talked about all year that's that's what you want to avoid um ironically the indiana pacers are only a half game behind the Cleveland cavaliers <laughs> for the third seed. uh I, I still can't believe that 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 is actually a thing the pacers challenging the Cavs for uh the, the spot in the east but um i don't know may, maybe in that case being six wouldn't be so bad <laughs> if you face yeah. the pacers um just because i think you'd rather have a rock fight with the pacers than uh than have to go up against lebron but um again very very costly past week with the bucks you can only imagine um you know it would be even worse if they hadn't pulled out that game last night against the base six so um you know unfortunately very similar story i think tonight would have been more painful if not for the fact that pretty much the same thing we've seen three or four times in the last week from the box. And um, again, they're kind of just reaping what they sow in terms of, as you said, these bad starts and um, you know, always having some, you know, multiple guys that you need to play decent seem to not be able to come through or, or not play up to where you'd want. And obviously they're, they're really paying the price right now.
1: Yeah. They've, they've put themselves in, in a really tough spot. And again, I, It's only you know three games back of the Pacers, and if you want to like with all the tiebreakers, make it four essentially. Um, And there's there's still let's see, there's 64 games in, so there's still 18 games left, which is a really long time. Like there there is a lot of time left, but um, their their outlook does become bleaker and has certainly gotten bleaker as this week has gone on so um we'll keep an eye on that and like i said maybe we'll talk a little bit about the big picture uh tomorrow as we try to figure out exactly what's going on and then also preview the rockets game for you for frank men i'm eric name the bucks lose 92 89 to the indiana pacers this has been locked on bucks we'll talk to you tomorrow